It's poverty. It's crime. Unemployment. Corruption. Accountability. The energy crisis. Inflation. We are worried. That South Africa has myriad problems on all fronts is a given. But the time has come for us to look for real solutions. I'm Jeremy Maggs, and this MoneyWeb podcast will discuss those solutions on how South Africans can solve problems by having tough conversations and drawing on the insights of South Africa's top business leaders. Welcome to Fix SA. In this ongoing series of podcasts, we've tended to focus on high-profile people who are leaders of big organizations and big projects. And in this edition, I want to take a completely different direction. I want to talk to someone who is busy, who is making a difference at the grassroots, who's trying to fix South Africa bottoms up. Matt Hogarty lives in Howick in the KwaZulu-Natal Midlands. He's the founder and the co-director of the non-profit Love Howick, and it's been described as a catalyst in bringing people together for transformation with a key objective of uniting the community for positive change. He believes, and I quote, that we are better together, and he works consistently to establish partnerships between key sectors of the local community to see the vision of a prosperous city emerge. So a very warm welcome to this edition of Fix SA, MoneyWeb's fortnightly podcast dedicated to exploring innovative solutions for South Africa's myriad and mounting challenges. My name's Jeremy Maggs, and thank you for downloading the conversation. And Matt, a very warm welcome to you. And maybe before we talk about fixing South Africa. Let's focus on Love Howick. What was the inspiration behind it and this mission of bringing people together for transformation? What does that mean? Uh, well, firstly, thank you for obviously having me on this platform. When I look back, we are seven years old now, and it was probably about eight years ago when I was traveling through our Howick community and like all good South Africans, having a good moan about everything that was going on. Potholes, rubbish, verges that were unkept and just basically a degraded CBD area. So I was complaining to my wife and my, my daughter in the back seat who back then was five years old, patiently listened to me finish my rent and then said, Dad, why are you always complaining? Why don't you do something about it? And uh, so when your five-year-old daughter starts to, <laughs> to make that type of question, uh, and my wife was sitting next to me, just obviously got on the bandwagon and said, of course, why don't you do something about it? It really did get me thinking. I think that was probably the catalyst to get me to actually start doing something. And so back then, uh, the first thing I could think of, well, let's start cleaning up our streets. And I put a few messages out to a few friends. I put it on Facebook. And to be honest, I thought that my family and maybe my close friends would pitch up and we'd have a lot of work to do um, on a Saturday morning. But the, on that Saturday, 50-odd people rocked up to clean our streets. And we went down and we, we cleaned up the streets and obviously looked back and then an hour it was dirty again. But it really just spoke about the, you know, just the, the buy-in from communities, the desire to do something, to bring change. And I think that was just the starting point of what we see nowadays where our last financial year, I think there was close on 30,000 volunteer hours served across our, our region. And that just speaks of what South Africans, who South Africans are, wanting to get involved, wanting to, to make a positive difference. And that's what we've been focusing on all these years. So it says a lot, doesn't it, Matt, about people's willingness and desire to get involved. The secret, of course, is to try and harness and 
perpetuate that. And that, I imagine, is a little bit more difficult. Yeah, no, 100%. I think, you know, a cleanup is great, um, but obviously finding a sustainable way to do that is really what we have been experimenting with here in Howick. And again, I don't think we've hit the mark 100% yet, but we're starting to see a whole different community. I think one of the first approaches that we've taken, and I think this is, you know, as we, as we help other communities start these projects, you know, the first thing that we have to change, and we've been doing this for the last seven years, is we've got to change the narrative. I think for most people, we believe that we are powerless in South Africa to bring change. And with that powerless thinking comes a good spectator syndrome where we're sitting on the sides waiting for somebody else to do it because we feel powerless. And so the narrative is important. And I think one of the things that we started to do was we started to share stories and we used media and video and and every platform possible to actually get on online and start to say, guys, we've got a future in this land. There's good things that, that's worth fighting for. There's, um, and start speaking vision and speaking hope over people. And I think that's been one of the biggest change agents within our community is that we've had to shift that narrative. Problems, what are the solutions? Uh, obstacles, where are the opportunities? Uh, we can't do this. Well, collectively we can. Who's got skills? Who's got solutions? Who's got, who's got resources to help us? And actually stewarding that has been critical in the process. And how difficult has it been to, to lead that process, to steward it? Challenging, as always. I've got a great team now. When we started out, there were just probably two or three of us. And, you know, you're always going to come up against opposition because... I think the first, you know, first movers are always the ones that take the most flack. But I, I think personally, I fundamentally believe in, in the power of, of a collective buy-in. Um, and I think in South Africa, we are, we are people of grit. If you look at what we've gone through, you look at COVID, you look at here in KZN, the riots and looting, you look at floods, you look at economic recession that's currently plaguing us. We definitely do have the ability to rise above challenges. And so if we can, I think, clearly communicate vision and a vision that causes people to buy in, we can overcome those obstacles. So it's been difficult, but at the same time, it's, it's been very exciting. Uh, you know, I've, mm. I've, I've enjoyed the conversations behind the scenes where people say, listen, this is impossible. And then a year or two later are saying, well, how can we be part of this? So you start to see the shift in people's mindsets and obviously, we are a small community. You know, there, I think there's 100,000 people in Howard. But if it can happen here, I believe it can happen anyway. And we've seen that. I want to come back to this word narrative that you used. In defining that narrative or designing the narrative, was there specific strategic intent or was it just something that is organic and is changing as you make progress? I think it's a bit of both. Obviously, we've, as we've evolved, as we've grown, um, it's become a lot easier to define that narrative. But right at the beginning, one of the things that we wanted to do was that we wanted to hear the problems of our community. And I think sometimes we, in, in, in non-profit work and, and obviously community development, we rush to assume that we know the problems. And so, you know, one of the things we did is that we did a lot of research and I think focus groups, uh, we did surveys, we just got on the ground and listened to stories. And in the process of, of listening and conversations, uh, to identify those pain areas is so vital because once you start touching on things that people actually care about, 
um, and you start to speak into those spaces, then you get a response. I think so much of narrative around South Africa is we're speaking about things that people aren't actually possibly don't really care about. What they do care about is the future of their children. They do care about their access to education. They do care about services in their communities, those type of things. So, so focusing the narrative on real problems and hearing the stories of real people has been a particular mm. part of, of the narrative process for us. So it is strategic, but at the same time, we've had to evolve. I mean, I, again, I'm a volunteer. So we've, we've done all of this as volunteers at the beginning. And only now we're starting to have a bit more time to do the real hard work of getting all these projects sustainable. Isn't that hard work, though, that uh, the municipal authority should be doing? Have they abrogated their responsibility to you? Or do you have a relationship with the council? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think one of the... Yeah, one of the constant pushbacks we do get is that question, why aren't the municipality doing these things? And so we have one of our key values is partnership and positivity. And we don't believe in, in all the you know, name bashing and, and blaming and all those things. So we have built strong relationships with our local council. We have started to, right back seven years ago, we approached them and said, listen, we want to be part of the solution. What can we do to help you? Um, and that has created a big partnership with our local governments. I mean, now they are sponsoring bursaries for job skills programs. They are working with us on environmental work. And we're collaborating on recycling projects. We actually are uh, helping them with infrastructure developments as well. So it's, a, it is a, it's an ongoing process, but they've bought in just as much as businesses bought in, as NGOs have bought in, as churches have bought in, uh, to the collective process of transformation. Matt, do you think you've stumbled on a secret formula here? Is this something that could be tailored, harnessed, and exported to other parts of the country? Is this the start of something new, do you think? I definitely would hope so. Um, we have, you know, we've, we've trialed it in another community, um, Nottingham Road, which is just sort of 20 k's up the road from us. And, yeah, they're seeing positive results as well. And so the result of that has been that we have launched a, a network of these projects called Love Cities. And our goal is to help people to activate their communities within this process of transformation and to actually help them with best practice sort of models that they can replicate. And so I, I think that South Africa is desperate for this type of change. You know, if we can do it together, you know, and I emphasize that over and over again, even with our teams, is the power in is in bringing people together. Um, without an agenda, without a political agenda, without a particular brand attached to it or a business um, corporate brand attached to it, the banner of, of love, whatever your city is, um, is a really strong neutral space that everybody can work together in. So I do hope it's a blueprint. Um, I, I think that it could be. The, the future, yeah, I think if the more we test this out in other communities, in a few years' time, I hope to mm. say that it's working and people are buying in. Well, I certainly hope so as well. Part of human nature, of course, though, is that we are all driven by ambition. And as this uh, concept grows, the difficulty will be to make sure that you stay pure to your philosophy of altruism and that it doesn't get uh, overloaded by bureaucracy and centralized decision-making and the building yes. of, of 
petty empires and that sort of thing. So I understand the organic nature of it, but the bigger something gets, the more difficult and unwieldy it becomes to manage. Yeah, and I think our desire is to to help communities set up their own vehicle that they own and that they are responsible for. So our, our network will more be to support that structure, but it's owned by the community, it's for the community, it's through the community. We're not envisioning at any point a centralized franchise system. It really is just a support network because I think lots of people want to do stuff. Um, if I... If I listen to, I've just been this weekend at a, at a conference with a whole lot of community change agents, mm. uh, and they all want to do something. Everyone wants to buy into a collective vision and wants to get their cities back on track. They want to they sort out the problems, but I think people don't know how to do that. And so if we can give people a bit of stories of, of what's happened here, you know, a few of the learnings that we've stumbled upon, and I say stumbled upon because we have stumbled upon on some things here. You know, things that some things that have worked, some things have not worked, but the things that have worked are are working well. And so, if we can replicate that and help others replicate that, you know, that would be our, our winning recipe for really bringing transformation across South Africa. And I think we're poised for it right now. You know, in the in the absence of, I think, of strong leadership in our communities. We really do need community leaders to stand up from all sectors of society and partner together in this process. So leading on from that, what hasn't worked that you had to fix and what is working well? (laughs) I think the first thing, obviously, those things that are working well, we've identified poverty, unemployment, especially youth unemployment is one of the big kind of the big factors that um, our country is facing. Uh, and so we've engaged with, with multiple different organizations and curriculum developers and developed our own curriculum called Work Ready that gives people who are coming, you know, who are unemployed and coming into the job market an opportunity to learn the, the life skills that nobody teaches these days. So it's work ethic, professionalism, you know, growth mindsets, uh, relationship management, EQ developments. Uh, basic financial management, uh, you know, being on time, being, you know, you know, just the basics, making sure that you have positive influence on your environment, a strong attitude. So all of those things are in a mentorship sort of dynamic within that program. And we've seen incredible success in that those students have actually gone on to volunteer at workplaces. Um, and through the program, we've got a 43% success rate with finding employment for these people. And if you look at the numbers, I mean, it's, I think it's close to last year, 1,700 came through our center, and half of them, nearly half of them have got work as a result of the programs. So that's been a, a good success story. Again, we're still trying out things. We're obviously going to be adding to that different other, you know, other skills mm. programs. But we're seeing, I think, just the mindset of our young people starting to adjust. And, you know, as the word spreads, you, know, you, you go there and you'll get trained and then you'll find a job. So we're having people line up. I mean, we, we've got waiting lists at these dream centers. That's, that's what we call them. Because we want to we wanna help young people just discover their value and purpose again. And once we start to do that, I mean, I think there's a positive spin-off in our employment sector, but also in entrepreneurship. Starting businesses um, has been a big focus for us. If I'm not mistaken, there's been about 100 entrepreneurs through our business school the last year. 
and um, and that's been incredibly exciting to see that there's young people who you know don't want to sit at home and wait for the government to do something, but they actually want to get involved. They want to start putting dreams, you know, the legs to their dreams, and get going in business, um, which is particularly healthy. What's been difficult? I think you know, consistently, we've had to constructively work the narrative the whole time. You know, a lot of people are. It's been great to start off with, and then, then then there's been disinterest in the projects, and so we're consistently telling stories of positive change. And I think that's been the hard thing is that we've had to be consistent. The minute we let negativity take its toll, you know, we can see an effect across all our projects. So the negativity still is one of our biggest obstacles, um, and we're consistently trying to look at creative ways, you know, using media, using art, using storytelling as an opportunity for us to get get hope back into the people in our community. I suppose with any initiative, big or small, you're always going to have naysayers and the best way of proving them wrong is to demonstrate results. Yeah, 100%. And that's what, you know, even recording our results, I mean, we, we in our organization, we kind of track everything every day, how much you know, square meters of brush cutting is done, how many bags of recycling has been collected, how many potholes have been filled. One of the challenges in our community, and I think across South Africa, it's the same as, as, as our roads. And so one of the businesses approached us and said, listen, if we sponsor the equipment, will you guys start filling potholes? And because we had a, a big group of interns who were sponsored to work with us, we said, of course we will. I think about a month later, the equipment arrived and... We got training, professional guys to come in and do training. And then from that, we started filling potholes. So those type of things, those constant recording of data, looking at the impacts, measuring the impacts, um, the social justice issues, uh, those type of things, they communicate loudly to the community, which has been good to see. All of this started, Matt, with you... Stopping moaning and ranting, as you said at the beginning of our conversation, and actually listening. Listening is much more difficult than having a good shout at, about something. How did you learn to listen and how do you teach people to be listeners as people try to fix this country? I think it's a constant a work in progress. If you speak to my wife, you'd probably hear that I'm not a good listener. Um, but in this context, I think empathy is is part of our humanity that I think is probably the greatest gift that we have. Um, and so if we can start to put ourselves in other people's positions or other people or walk in their shoes, as it were, um, we're far more likely to want to bring change. And so I always challenge people, you know, before you make a call on something or make a judgment call, Try and, and understand, try and listen, try and hear the story. I've probably learned that just you know, growing up you know, in a household that we didn't have much. Um, we didn't have great opportunities. There were things that, that I had to learn. Um, and I think you know, I've got empathy for people who don't have those opportunities. I've got empathy for people who don't have all the, the luxuries of life. And so I think just learning that if we can stop for a minute. You know, our busy paced lives aren't helping because we're very quick just to move on and to gloss over things. And we drive past poverty every day, but when do we stop and actually spend a moment engaging with that, you know, with the stories of the people who are bound in those spaces of poverty? Uh, And so my encouragement really to people is just stop for a minute 
take a moment to hear, listen, empathize. If anything else, just let your own, you know, your own heart be moved. Uh, and, and in that process, see how you can respond. Two more questions. You have uh, an initiative which is finding traction. What's the end goal? That's the penultimate question. So I think the end goal for me is mobilize communities. We've got this saying, everyone, everywhere, empowered. Three simple words. And we really do want to see everybody from everywhere in our nation empowered to make a difference. And so if, if we can be part of catalyzing that, if we can be part of sharing vision in that direction, if we can be part of, I think, stirring up a sense of hope in our nation again, you know, if you look at 94, what happened at that moment when we crossed into democracy, there was a sense of hope. We are building a nation together. Uh, again, I don't think anything was perfect and anything is perfect in even any of those transitions. But I think we're at another transition point in our nation. We've got to come together again, like we did in 94, where we put down the divides and we, we mm. remove the walls and we, we let go of some of the history and, and the past and even some of the, you know, the things we're carrying now. And we say, well, for the sake of our kids, and I think that's what drives me a lot. I've got four kids. Uh, and I'm looking at their future in this nation and even our grandchildren. What is the kind of nation we want to hand on to them? And it's really not what we're living in right now. So if, if we as a, as a people, um, as Love Hike, Love Cities, could really just inspire people to everywhere, everyone, get involved, be empowered, um, find each other. You know, every community has got some key leaders and some change agents. Find each other. If we can help you find right. um, each other and then start to strategically look at turning problems into opportunities and, and actually do, do the hard work, do the dirty work that no one wants to do, clean the streets, um, you know, go after looking at some of the pain points and making, bringing sustainable solutions to those. That's really what we want to do across the country. And in conclusion, Matt, uh, more of a comment than a, uh, than a question, I guess, is uh, be careful about uh, taking advice from a five-year-old child sitting in the back <laughs> of the car because look what might happen. But in this particular case, uh, it turned out very well. Matt Hoggarty, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you for joining us right here on Money. Thanks for listening to this Fix SA podcast. For more episodes posted every second Friday, go to moneyweb.co.za, the MoneyWeb app, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, or follow MoneyWeb News on social media for more updates. MoneyWeb, your trusted source for business and investment insights.